God. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is important. Of course, we know the uh, the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. He first stated, you must be born again. Now, isn't that important to all of us? Hallelujah. We must be born again. I tell you, what, what an opportunity it is, right? Uh, it's in our in our Discover Purpose class. We talk about how one author had says it's something like one in a million chance that we would all be born the first time. And now, think about it, you get to start over and get born again. Hallelujah. How amazing is that? Praise God. That God would allow us the opportunity to hit the restart button on our life. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, uh, when I was younger, of course, I like to play those video games. I still play video games every now and then when I get a chance to. But um, I like to play those video games, Mario and all those things. And, uh, you know, there's always that continue now button. You mess things up enough, you can continue now and restart back at the beginning. Hallelujah. That's basically what Jesus is to us. It's a restart on our life. And yes, we still have to carry the repercussions of our actions, but we are able to start fresh in our heart, in our mind, in our life. We can start over in a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's the value of being born again and being saved in the kingdom of God. It is the process of being born. Hallelujah. As Paul makes it, makes very clear in Romans, when we repent of our sins, it's as if we are dying to ourselves. We're killing off the old man. We're saying, you know what, this guy, I don't want this guy anymore. Hallelujah, I had to come to a point in my life where I got so fed up with Aaron Meehan that I had to decide Aaron Meehan had to go in a grave. So through repentance, I killed off that old, sinful, carnal man. Hallelujah. And then by baptism, the Bible says that we are baptized with Jesus by baptism unto death. Hallelujah. So by baptism, I'm buried with Jesus Christ. So I killed off that old man. I buried him in the ground. And like as the glory of the Father raised Jesus from the grave, so shall ye walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. I rose again when I received the gift of the Holy Holy Ghost, uh, hallelujah, and I took on a brand new air in me, and I became a brand new person. I was born again, hallelujah. Anybody got the Spirit of God here today? Praise God. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus makes this statement. Again, all this is essential to get to where we're going today. But he says, can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb? Of course, that's silly. He could not do that. So Jesus clarified, almost even to ignore the silly question. I'm not even going to, uh, you know, gratify your smart aleck remark there. (laughs) He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, being of baptism in a watery grave, lest a man is born of water and of the Spirit, 
He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Because this is the process of being born again. I repent and kill off the old man. I am then born of water or baptized in water, and then I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that blessed Spirit of God in my life, and that is the resurrection, just as Jesus rose from the grave. Hallelujah. And this is so important for us to recognize today because he's giving us two very important things that must happen. Suffer man be born of water and of the Spirit. I think it's important for us to recognize today that although absolutely our salvation comes from God, our new life comes from God, there actually is a second party in this equation. Hallelujah. And without trying to get too technical or anything like that, let me just remind everybody, it takes two to make a baby. (laughs) It takes two to make a baby. Praise God. Hallelujah. From the male, that life is spawned. And from the mother that cradles and allows that life to flow through her, it begins to yield life inside of her babe belly. And I'm not going to be political tonight. Don't worry about that. But hallelujah, it's not, it shouldn't be political just talking about babies, right? Hallelujah. But, but you know, but that life begins uh, to bring forth inside that mother's womb. And then the mother has that responsibility of travailing in birth and bringing forth the baby. There are two parts of a person being born. That is the father and the mother. Although it is the father's life being placed inside of the mother, the mother has an extremely important role. And let me remind you today that if it not was not for a man or a woman of God that was there to put you down into the water, then neither would you or I be saved today. The combination of the church and Christ is what brought forth our salvation. And without a preacher, how should a man know that he should be saved? Except the man preach, except the man be sent a man or a woman, hallelujah. I was once asked, I, I suggested this. I suggested it is essential to be baptized. Of course, we know Mark sixteen sixteen tells us, unless you are, believe and are baptized, you sh- the he that is believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Hallelujah. So we know that baptism is essential. But he asked me, he said, well, that's kind of crazy. What, what if he, you know, presented this impossible scenario? What if everybody on the earth died except for one person? You mean they would be lost because there would not be a man there or a woman there to baptize them? I said, listen, this whole scenario you just brought up, it completely removes out the possibility of any biblical uh, prophecy or revelation, meaning... Hallelujah, this is God's system. God set this up, not me. This isn't me trying to exercise some authority or the church doing God says, no, there's got to be a mother and a father. God says the church is the bride of Christ. God says the church is the mother to the babies. God says it takes both me and the church and a man or a woman of God in order for a baby to be born again. Praise God. So I'm just talking today for just a few minutes on the importance of the church and not just the church, but 
spiritual parents and the church being spiritual parents. 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel, Paul says. You see, Paul, and and we're not talking about you, Paul, praise God. (laughs) But Paul from scriptures, he, he says over and over again, he makes this idea. He gives off this understanding that when I have preached the gospel to somebody and they make that precious decision to turn their life over to Jesus Christ. He says, it is as if I have begotten you. I have travailed in the spirit and I have brought you up. Yes, it was Jesus Christ that saved you. I'm not suggesting the church can save anybody. Jesus did it, but he did it through man and the church begatting them and bringing them forth. He says, I have begotten you, therefore I have become as a parent or a father in your life. Hallelujah, this evening, if only the church would recognize their role in helping new people find their walk with Christ, I tell you, we'd take this thing a whole lot more seriously if we understood how important it was for the church to go preach. Our outreach days would be jam-packed. Praise God, because this is so essential. Who could be saved without a preacher and a church delivering it to them? Hallelujah, Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. He says, my my little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That word travail, it is Odin. Odinos, it is the word that is used to denote a woman's suffering labor pains. And what he's trying to say is he's saying that when I brought you into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it wasn't an easy little thing. I don't know about you, but it took a lot for me to turn my life around. (laughs) Praise God. And I'd imagine for some of y'all, y'all thinking, man, oh, yeah, it took this and this and this and this and this, and it took about a year, and it took, it took a lot for us to make that conversion, right? Hallelujah. I wish I could tell you that it just happens overnight, but, man, it takes a while for it to happen, maybe even nine months for it to happen, praise God. And it takes a lot of work on the church. The church needs to recognize just as, hallelujah, the, the, the process of birthing a baby is so precious and so important and making sure the baby has all its nutrients and making sure the baby has all its love. You know that it's even possible for a baby to die if it doesn't get enough smiles. We're talking about a physical baby. If it doesn't get enough attention... A baby could die. 
Hallelujah. So I wonder what that means for our new babies in Christ. Hallelujah. I wonder what that means with new people coming in who have a fresh new understanding of Jesus. They're just now turning their life around, and yet the church is nasty and mean and barely talks to them and doesn't greet them when they come to church and doesn't give them a phone call during the week. And hallelujah, they completely lose them from their minds because they're so busy going about their own day. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, mama, if you don't give the baby some attention, the baby will die off. The baby will not be able to live in the church unless there's a church that's willing to love them, that's willing to give them attention, that's willing to care for them, that's willing to treat them like little children in the Lord. And of course, I'm not a mother, so I don't know that laboring process that a woman goes through. But I do know that today, a woman carries a baby much longer than nine months. Hallelujah. And when Paul makes this statement of whom I travail in birth again, He's trying to make make a connection to that parenthood process where, you know, after you give birth, yes, but but then that travail doesn't stop. But every now and then you got to help them out again. And hallelujah, you got to do this again. And you got to, you know, help them out of financial troubles now. And and you got to give them a place to live now. And hallelujah, because again and again and again, they're your child. They're your sons. They're your daughters. You wouldn't abandon them, hallelujah, but but you would travail again in order for them to be be okay, in order for them to have a roof over their heads. You, you do what you got to do. Hallelujah. And Paul's saying that even though I first brought you forth in the Holy Ghost, I travailed again because I saw you to start a slip on, slipping away so I travailed again I saw you to start falling away from the church so I came again and I prayed for you again and I preached to you again and I brought you to church again come on now hallelujah this is what I'm preaching on for just a minute here today where is it praise God there we go I'm preaching today about being born again, again. Hallelujah. I recognize this is just a play on words. I'm not trying to suggest that anybody has to go through the entire process again. But I am here to tell you, sometimes it takes more than one church service for somebody to really let God come into their hearts. And sometimes it takes more than just one good altar call for somebody to turn things around. Hallelujah. But when I give birth, to a baby, or when I bring someone to church, when I show somebody the gospel, that's just the beginning of my work. I got to travail for them, but then I got to travail again, and I got to travail again, and I got to travail again. Hallelujah. I got to continue to do so until Christ comes back. Why? Because you're my children in the Lord. I am responsible for your walk with God. In Galatia, at the time, there are Judaizers who are trying to convince them to forget everything Paul had taught them and to return back to the Jewish law and to begin to apply those principles to their lives again. In essence, they were 
backsliding. I know everybody hates that term, backsliding. It's so mean. Listen, it is, we use it because it is an accurate definition of what it means to fall away. We're trying to suggest that you are not utterly cast down. We don't say things like that. We're not trying to suggest. All we're trying to suggest is where you were taking steps forward, now you're slowly backing up. In essence, the Galatians, those in Galatia, they were backsliding, falling back into their old ways. So Paul says, you are my little children. And because I see you falling away, I've got to travail for you again and again and again. If I may... How many times did they have to travail for you? How many times did they have to travail for me before I finally got my feet stable on the ground and was able to walk by myself and was able to care for myself and do what I needed to do? Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. What what I'm saying is sometimes the church, it's like we get so frustrated. They came and God touched them, but they're still not coming back. They didn't give their 100%. I get that. I understand that. Hallelujah. I want everybody to be saved. I want them to have what I have. I want them to have what you have. But sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's a travail that takes a long time. And then even after that, sometimes we got to travail again. And sometimes we got to travail again. We cannot lose hope and we cannot lose patience. For we know that the Bible says if they're in Jesus' hands, they will not fall out. Praise God. That means if it's God's will for them to be saved and God knows that they have turned their life around, even if you're not seeing it yet, you just keep travailing and you just keep praying and you just keep reaching for them. Hallelujah. Because God's got something for their life. Praise God. I know because I was the one. I was the one who was called and anointed. I was the one who at birth, hallelujah, was given a calling. Hallelujah, and an anointing. I was prophesied. I don't talk about this a lot. I'm not doing it today to magnify myself. Quite the opposite, in fact. Before I was even born, a preacher prophesied that I would become a preacher. Hallelujah, before I was even born, I had that over my head. When I came into this world, it seemed as though that was exactly where I was going to be heading. I was a preacher. Hallelujah. At eight years old, that's what I wanted to be. But at some point in my life, I started to walk away. I started to leave my first love. I started to do things that I shouldn't do. I started to participate in things I shouldn't participate in. I started to fall into sin. And maybe it's an innocent sin compared to some others. But for me, it was detrimental. I just started seeking the approval of others rather than seeking the approval of God. And I backslid. And even though I would try to come back 
and I'd have a good service or two, I'd fall away again. And I'd fall away again. I remember having some friends who were still in the church, and they'd tell me, Aaron, I just want you to know I'm really praying for you. Oh, whatever. Oh, whatever. Oh, but then... Hallelujah, I have no doubt it was those prayers that at some point caused me to realize this world is not my home and there's nothing good in this world. Hallelujah, that those prayers led me to pray a prayer of repentance. Those prayers got me down in the altar. I believe it was because somebody was still travailing in the spirit for me. Somebody was still praying for for me. Somebody was still reaching out for me. Oh, praise God. Can we rejoice in the Lord for a moment? Can we thank him right now knowing what he's done for us? Knowing how he has helped us? I've made this point several times in the last month. But let me make it again. If we want to be like Jesus, then we must have a heart for the lost and for the dying and for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7 and 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. Now we can break this apart, and I'm sure there's a lot of, of really great answers as to what this is meaning, but Ultimately, what we know is that he is in the process now of making intercession for us. There are scriptures that suggest that when we sin, it's as if he is being hung on the cross again. Hallelujah, because... The cross in God's eyes. God who sits outside of time and space. The cross is an eternal act. Which means right now, Christ is hanging on that cross. Making intercession for you and for me. Because he says, I want them to be saved. I want them to be set free. I want them to be delivered of their sins. I want them to make it to heaven. I want them to have a relationship with me. So he's making intercession. He ever liveth to make intercession. What about First John 2 and 1, my little children. There we see it again. Hallelujah. Just like in Galatians, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Hallelujah. 
praise God again I'm sure there's many eternal answers to this but what we know bare bones is this is telling us that right now hallelujah there is somebody in heaven an advocate that is fighting on our behalf when we fall and when we fail let me tell you something hallelujah if you mess up don't call it quits don't decide you're done no but if you mess up and you fail and you sin just remember you've got an advocate in heaven who's fighting on your behalf who's not going to let you go down who's going to fight the devil and all of hell for you to be saved we have an advocate oh I just wish I just wish the church would also see themselves as an advocate to the sinner and those who have fallen away. Praise God. What I'm saying is, I'd rather we be an advocate rather than being gossipers. I'd rather us be advocates rather than kicking them while they're down. Praise God. You know, typically, when somebody falls into sin after being saved, they know they're falling into sin. You don't have to remind them. <laughs> Praise God. And if they don't know, then, then absolutely we find a way out of love to inform them. But they don't need, they don't need that. They need your love. They need your encouragement. They need you to come up behind them and say, it's all right. Don't worry about a thing. I got you. Hallelujah. I'm going to fight on your behalf. It's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Why don't you come to church with me again this Sunday? Why don't you join me in the altar again? And why don't we pray over the phone again? Why don't we take a moment here right now? Hallelujah. Praise God, we must become an advocate for the backslider, if I may. And again, I'm, I really hope not to preach much longer at all. There is some stories that Jesus told specifically concerning the lost. And, and he, he, he applies them to the lost, but every one of these stories, no doubt, has a connection to those who are backslidden. And those who fall away from God. Luke chapter 15 and 4. What man of you. Praise God. There we go. What man of you having a hundred sheep. If he lose one of them. Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness. And go after that which is lost until he find it. Can I tell you what Jesus is trying to suggest here is that he himself, who was sitting with the sinners and publicans and the Pharisees did not like him for it, he himself is suggesting, I am gone to those who need me the most. But he's also suggesting that us as a church we must go after those who have fallen away. Hallelujah. And again, I am not by any means suggesting we go after them to tell them how wrong they are. 
nothing like that, but to go after them, to show them love, to show them encouragement, and to help them find their way back. Praise God. Is this all right here today? We got to go after. Everybody shout, go after. The next parable that Jesus gave, hallelujah, he says, either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? Now he's, he's adding on something here. Not only should we go after, but he's also saying we need to seek out the lost coin. Seek out the lost coin. Hallelujah. And we can't have the mindset, well, I've got nine others. We'll get by. Hallelujah, I don't think so. Praise God, if you drop the $10 bill under your couch, would you say, it's all right, I've got nine others? Or would you get down there and try to find the lost bill? Hallelujah, because what it's saying is every person is valuable. Even if they've fallen away or fallen from their walk with God, they're still just as valuable. They're just lost. Hallelujah. And he says, you got to get down on your hands and knees. You got to sweep the house. You got to look under the covers. You got to look in the cabinets. Go everywhere you think you can go and search them out so that you can find them and join them again with the other nine. Somebody shout, search them out. And although we will get to the last parable that Jesus gave in this regard, I would like to mention one other passage of Scripture. We've already talked about go after. We talked about restore. Galatians 6 and 1 says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Ye which are spiritual, restore. Restore. Not only should we go after, not only should we search them out, Hallelujah, but if they find their way back, it's not a, at that point we don't put them on the pew and say, no, you need to sit there for a while and get your life right. We don't say, no, you need to get on, get over there and try to figure this thing out. No, we restore them. And we say, all right, let's do it again. Don't worry. You're not, you've not fallen. You just walk backwards a little bit. We're going to restore you to where you were. We're going to help you up. We're going to get you back in place. We're going to hold you in the position you need to be in. Hallelujah. We got to restore. Restore them. Such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I don't have time to go into each and every one of them. The details of each and every one of them. But verse 2 tells us, bear ye one another's burdens. The burdens, you see, some people fall away not because of sin, not because of carnal flesh, but just because of the world, just because of pressures from this world 
and their job and all these things. The Bible tells us when we restore them, we got to bear them. We got to bear their burdens. We got to help them make it. Hallelujah. I believe every church needs to have, not maybe not an official one, but a spiritual one, a spiritual buddy system where every person decides, I'm not going to heaven only carrying my own burdens, but I'm going to bear my brother's or my sister's burden, and I'm going to help them make it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to help them make it. Uh, why don't you say that? I'm going to help them make it. Uh, oh, yes, Jesus. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. And finally, we've got, we need to go after them. We need to search for them. We need to restore them. And we're finally, we'll get to the last parable of Jesus, and, and I'll finish with this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. If we could, I'm going to read just this entire parable because it's so beautiful, and it's a story that so reflects the love of the Father and the need of the love of the church. Said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Can I tell you, this is the position that many who fall away from God have found themselves in. I see it time and time again. Hallelujah. And it's not something that we revel in or we are, uh, want. It's something that we hate to see. People fall away from their walk with God and fall into a position of famine. And as we see, even worse. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. I've got a friend many years ago he came into my father's church I knew from the beginning he had a very rough background many drugs he was a drug addict for sure and he had come in and God had touched him. He got baptized in the name of Jesus. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He repented of his sins. I tell you, he did a complete 180. 
Hallelujah. For many months, he served God with all of his heart. He was dancing in the altar. He was having a great time living for God. He was, he was a great friend to me. And I remember maybe about a year after that, he slowly just stopped coming to church. And we'd try to reach out to him. Every now and then we'd be able to get him. About two or three months would pass by, and he'd come back to church, and we'd love him, and we'd embrace him again. Hallelujah. But it seemed like a process where he just kept falling away. He fell away this time for a long period of time. And in that period of time, he had had a family had a daughter specifically. Just found out not too long ago. He had allowed one of his best friends outside of church to live with him and his family. And that friend began to bless his child. Beyond that, he wasn't the only one, but he allowed others into his home. People who were a part of that lifestyle and unbeknownst to him, they all had done the same. Hallelujah. And I'm not suggesting this happens to every person who falls away from God, but I am suggesting that without the hand and protection of the Father, Hallelujah, without it. There's a reason why this is the blessed life and this is the best life. It's because when you live for God, you protect yourself from those things in this world. Hallelujah, you have the protection of God and God cares for you and cares for your family and protects you, protects your family. Hallelujah. Can I tell him he just recently started going back to my dad's church? hallelujah because once you find yourself in the mud there's really nowhere else to go to and when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. This is him recalling and, and trying to make a play in what he's going to say. I'm going to tell him, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can I tell you, he never had an opportunity to speak the words he had rehearsed in the mud. Praise God, when you come into the church, don't worry about the guilt and the regret you had in the mud. When you come back into the church, hallelujah, we're going to love you and accept you with open arms. Praise God. 
And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But look, the father cuts him off. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring him hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. It should be a party whenever anybody comes into the house of God. Whenever anybody turns their life around, we should rejoice. We should rejoice and celebrate. For this, my son was dead. Look, oh, he was alive, and then he was dead. Now he's alive again. He was born again, again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And we know this last portion, but let's remind ourselves now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy father or thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Well, I'm not going to be a part of that church if they let that walk in the door. Look at them. They're in my seat. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible says we need to restore one another in the spirit of meekness. That means with a degree of humility, recognizing that any one of us could be in their shoes. And every one of us has needed grace and mercy when it counted. Oh, we got to have grace and mercy for them. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. You never, you never mentioned me behind the pulpit. You never talked about me and my testimony. You're giving them all this attention. Absolutely we are. It's because we need to rejoice when the lost has been found. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him that fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, Thou art ever with me, and all I have is thine. I was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost, but now is found. Praise God. So we need to go after We need to search out. We need to restore. 
and we need to accept those who have fallen away. Praise God. Because I don't know about you, but I've got many friends who have fallen away. I've got many loved ones who have fallen away. Oh, if just to see them walk through that door again, I'd tell you, I'd throw a celebration. Praise God. It doesn't matter what they said about me. It doesn't matter what they said about you. It's irrelevant to what they did when they went out. Maybe they burnt bridges. Build them back up again. Hallelujah. If they tried to burn bridges, just keep building them up. If they burn it down again, build it up again. That's the church's responsibility. It's to love until we cannot love. Praise God if we could stand today. And this is what I truly wanted to get to, and I preached much longer than I anticipated. Hallelujah. But I wanted to get to just simply this part because these right here are some of the names the last year of people who have come to church, and it's not meant to embarrass anybody at all. But these are some of the names, and maybe you've got some friends, some family members of people who have walked away from God. They've lost their faith in the Lord. Maybe you want to add it to it. I just would suggest just write their first name, no last names or anything, just not to embarrass anybody. But, but I'm wondering if we can take some time today to pray for these names and to pray for these people. I'm sure you've got family members who have fallen away. I'm wondering if we could take a few minutes today in this altar call to come down and pray that God would restore them again. Come on, he is ever making intercession for them. I think it's time the church make intercession for them. The church go into prayer for them and ask God to restore them and to help them and to bring them up again. And here's just a little prayer guide. First, remind the father of the covenant the prodigal once had with him. Pray for supernatural love. Pray for grace for them. Pray for endurance to intercede for that person. Pray that God would help them to recognize their need. Pray that God would give them a holy homesickness where they would miss the church and they would miss the presence of God. Pray that they would come to themselves as the prodigal did. Pray that they would fall under a spirit of repentance. Pray that the prodigals would be able to receive God's forgiveness. Pray for the Lord to pour out his riches when the prodigal returns. And then finally, let's pray for the elder brother that we would receive and accept them as they come in. Is that all right? Can we spend a few minutes right now? Hallelujah. Can we spend about five, ten minutes at least in prayer for the backslider and those who have fallen away? I'd like to invite you to come down. If you want to come down and look at this and pray over that or just find a place in this altar. But how about we turn this place into a prayer meeting right now? A prayer meeting for our lost loved ones. A prayer meeting for our friends. A prayer meeting Come on now. Hallelujah. Paul Peter was stuck in jail, but the Bible says the church made intercession for him. The church prayed without ceasing. I believe if we pray for them, God will help to restore them. If we pray for them, God will help.